From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in for this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Hope you had a great weekend. Well, coming up, a poll released today by the New York Times reveals a 32-point swing among independent women voters toward the GOP. Now, what is driving this huge shift? It's the economy. Apparently, realizing that their messaging on abortion was not connecting, the Biden administration was out over the weekend trying to convince voters the economic pain they're feeling, ah, it's just relative. Remember, uh, we, we have our challenges right now, but uh, when the president took office, uh, we were facing an economy that was at risk of going into freefall. The American Rescue Plan stopped that. That was Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg driving the president's message on ABC this week yesterday. We'll talk about it with Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn, a member of the House Committee on Ways and Means. He's also the chairman of the Republican Study Committee's Budget and Spending Task Force. A Virginia delegate is backing off her measure that would potentially criminalize parents for not embracing a minor child who says they're transgender. What would you tell your Republican colleagues who say this is criminalizing parents? What would you tell them? No, it's not. It's educating parents because the law tells you the do's and don'ts. So this law is telling you do not abuse your children because they are LGBTQ. Oh, it's educating them that if they don't use the right pronoun, then they could be criminally charged. That was Delegate Elizabeth Guzman uh, last week in an interview with ABC7 in Virginia. Now, that interview triggered a firestorm of opposition, as it should have. We're going to talk about that more with Virginia Congressman Bob Good a little later here on Washington Watch. Now, on the COVID front. So is there a lesson here, future pandemics, that one thing is, is, is more of a focus on that, is how can we protect the kids and get them back to school exactly. more quickly. Exactly, do both. And the way you do that, you get the people who interact with the children to be vaccinated and masked. You provide ventilation in the schools. You try to keep them in the schools safely. The most important thing is to protect the children. That was uh, Dr. Tony Fauci, a.k.a. Mr. Science, on ABC News with Jonathan Carl. Now, Fauci's exit... And he's leaving the stage, uh, trying to uh, put a spin on the record. But as he leaves the national stage, it comes with the backdrop of Pfizer admitting that the COVID vaccine was never tested to see if it blocked transmission of the virus. I thought that's why the vaccines were being pushed. Remember the shaming of the unvaccinated that President Biden started in September of last year? Remember, he called it the pandemic of the unvaccinated and justifying the mandates of the vaccine. He said it was to protect yourself and those around you. Well, the vaccine doesn't keep you from spreading. And how does that protect those around you? Well, the question is, how will this impact public trust going into the next public health crisis? That's going to be our conversation with Dr. Andrew Bostom, clinical trialist and associate professor of family medicine at Brown University. And finally, the Secretary of the Army, Christine Wormoth, is getting pushback for these remarks from last week. We get criticized, frankly, sometimes for being woke. I'm not sure what woke means. I think woke means a lot of different things to different people. Well, the pushback is not coming from conservatives, but from the left, apparently. 
The comments were interpreted as being apologetic about the left's woke agenda. Now, I think you understand there can be no deviation from the left's orthodoxy. Well, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin joins me for that conversation. We'll also discuss the implications of Chinese President Xi Jinping's comments to the Communist Party Congress over the weekend about the future of Taiwan. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. Well, I enjoyed my weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yesterday, I was with the great folks at Hopewell Baptist Church. And then last night, we had a a, a tremendous uh, Pray Vote Stand North Carolina Sunday night service at Trinity Baptist Church with Dr. Mark Harris. Grateful for all of our listeners in the Charlotte area that came out and joined us yesterday. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you, so check it out. The word for today comes from Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 17 and 18. So Azariah the priest went in after the king, Uzziah, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. You see, Uzziah was a very successful king, but he crossed the line when he attempted to turn the sacred into the secular by meddling in the business of the church. You know, we hear a lot about the church getting involved in matters of the state, but could it be that those matters, like the sanctity of human life, the sacredness of marriage, and the origins of gender were biblical issues long before politicians made them political? Join us in our journey through the Bible. Go to frc.org slash Bible. With just three more weeks remaining until the midterm elections, the Biden administration has uh, put on a full-court press to convince the American people that what they see with their eyes and they feel with their wallets about the economy, well, it just isn't true. Well, but with inflation sticking at more than uh, sticking to more than eight percentage points above what it was last year and the stock market in freefall, this has become a difficult sell to most Americans. How much will this affect voting choices in the midterm elections? Polling says pretty significant. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Kevin Herney. He's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and the Republican Study Committee. He represents Oklahoma's first congressional district. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's always good to be with you. So we've been hearing for, you know, weeks now all about abortion. I mean, in fact, uh, tonight, uh, the vice president is going to be doing an event on abortion, the president tomorrow, you know, thinking that that was driving a wedge between voters and Republicans. But it appears now the economy is driving a wedge between voters and the Democratic candidates. Yeah, you know, somewhere uh, we, we can remember this. Somewhere out there, there's James Carville yelling at the TV screen. It's about the economy, stupid. And like he did with President Clinton back in the day, candidate Clinton as he was running. And that's exactly right. The American people are tired of what they're seeing. Uh, the old adage, when the government spends more, the American people have less. We're seeing that in full force right now. We have the president who's completely out of touch with the American people out eating ice cream and saying the economy is strong as heck when it was asked about how he feels about the American people and their and their thoughts on the economy. And what we know right now is, is this, this economy is a lot higher. The, the everyday American, I've talked to the CEO of the largest retailer in America, and the CEO said, when you look at energy for the home and fuel for the cars and food for the families, those numbers are up close to 20%. And that's what the American people are really feeling. 
Congressman, I'm going to play a clip of uh, President Biden on Friday in Portland, Oregon, basically pointing the finger to Republicans as being the big spenders. Play clip number four. Next time you hear the Republicans talk about big spending Democrats, remind them, Biden lowered the federal deficit last year by $350 billion and by $1 trillion this year. That's a fact. So don't tell me you can't afford it. You know, that's so disingenuous because what he's talking about was the emergency COVID spending that was put out there, bipartisan, at least the first tranche. And he's saying, well, we're not spending that again this year. Therefore, we've reduced the, 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 the debt and the deficit. I, I, I think he had, he had two people yelling his supporters that may have been his staffers out in the background there because the reality is, is that you have former Obama administration people like Larry Summers and Jason Furman who, who warned him from day one, don't do this. And yet he did. Uh, Chairman Powell, uh, you know, said he tried to make up every excuse for it to be temporary, transitory. Uh, Janet Yellen, uh, uh, Secretary Treasury Yellen said, you know, this is, uh, this can't be, you know, a bad thing. And then, you know, she's recently said in the last few months that she was wrong. Everybody except for Joe Biden and his close, close staff uh, think this is a good thing. And what we know last year when the American Rescue Plan money was put out there, the bill that was passed, there was still well over a trillion dollars of previous COVID relief money that had not even been spent yet. Mm -hmm. And now that we've got just voluminous amounts of money, and again, since that time, another three trillion spent. And that's why we're seeing inflation continuing to rage. So, Congressman uh, Hearn, I think, you know, an elementary school student can dissect the problem here. I mean, it does it, it, it's so prevalent. It, it doesn't take much to look into it. But the solution, a little harder. Now, you've been a part of putting together an RSC budget, which is a conservative budget. All right, here's a likely scenario. The Republicans have control of Congress, but obviously not the White House. They may have the Senate, may not, probably have the House what will be the way forward to bring relief to the American people? And how hard will Republicans fight for that? Well, first of all, on the Republican Study Committee, you're, you're right. I did the budget last year and again this year, and uh, we balanced the budget. And I know many would like for it to balance much sooner, but the recent budget was almost seven years. And that's because the, the, the cost curve, the, the inflation curve has is, is moved it out a little bit farther. But it's going to take some aggressive action to do it now. It's not going to be easier tomorrow, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, than if we don't start today. But stopping the spending, letting the growth in the economy, which is you know, going to be anemic at most, uh, at best rather, somewhere around 1% next year if, if we're lucky, and let that start growing away, keeping our spending steady, uh, will be the first start we do. The, the Republican House will not be sending these egregious spending bills to the Senate uh, to head to the president's desk. And that's what we've got to do first. Obviously, we can't enact anything until we get the White House. My guess is, is that Biden will have a Clinton moment, albeit in his first term, like uh, uh, President Bill Clinton did in his second term, is that he's got to do something or the Democrats are going to lose complete control of everything. So there'll be something he, he has to pass uh, and sign the Republicans put into act. So you think, because actually, that's you're actually right, because uh, Bill Clinton became conservative fiscally, uh, during the time that the Republicans had the Congress. So do you think that uh, you might be able to dial back the spending of, uh, of this leftist-leaning government? There'll be things that we're going to be you know, putting on the table right off the bat to look at it. You know, it's sort of interesting that um, you know, we did the $80 billion that came out of this uh, so-called Build Back Better plan 
and uh, that was going to go fix the problems at the IRS. So last week we had a, a call, a hearing with the inspector general uh, that looked at this whole issue of, of what's going on in the IRS, the leaking of documents. And I looked at the IG's report, uh, the response from this chief information officer from the IRS, nowhere in either one of those was there anything about we needed more money. They talked about the lack of uh, management uh, skills, the, just not doing their job. Of course, no one was fired for that. And I specifically asked the IG, uh, would the money change this? And the response was no. So all we're going to get is more agents going out and, and shaking the pocketbooks of the everyday American trying to get more tax dollars. So 20 seconds left, uh, Congressman Hearn. How aggressive will Republicans fight for this type of accountability you're talking about, even though they may only have one chamber of Congress? We're going to be fighting aggressively. We're not going to pass things unless that there's some oversight put in there. I know that uh, the future speaker, uh, Kevin McCarthy, has said to, to everybody into the press that the first thing we're going to put on the floor day one is to to push back and pull back on that money being spent to the IRS. And we've got to find these opportunities where we can to go back and pull back, realizing that we may not have the Senate and that we uh, we put some things on the table that we can gain some leverage. And it's, it's not going to be easy, but we're not going to stop fighting until we get it done. All right. Congressman Kevin Hearn, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on this Monday. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right. Coming up, it appears the bill to criminalize parents in Virginia, if they don't go along with their child's transgender ideas, is, uh, well, it may not be going anywhere. We'll discuss why this was introduced, what's behind it, and Should we expect more of this kind of nonsense? When we come back on Washington Watch, we'll be joined by Virginia Congressman Bob Good. So don't go away. More to come. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. All right, it's that time of year. Uh, It's election time. All right. Election Day is November the 8th. And, you know, as you hear constantly, this is the most important election. And and that's true, because every election is going to decide what worldview dominates the policies of our country. So you need to be registered and you need to be voting. You need to pray, vote and stand. Well, we have a tool to help you in voting. It's called it's our voter guide. I voter guide. You can get a personalized voter guide that will you put in your zip code and it will print out for you all of the elections and the candidates and where they stand on the issue. So here's here's what you need to do. Just text the word guide. That's G-U-I-D-E to 67742. Just text the word guide to 67742. You'll get a link. You uh, respond to it and then you'll be able to put in your zip code and you will get a personalized voter guide to help you vote in this election. All right, so be sure and do that. Text the word guide to 67742. Last Friday, as Joseph was sitting in for me, he uh, was joined on the program by Will Estrada, who is the president of the Virginia-based Parental Rights Foundation. Great, great group. Well, they discussed Elizabeth Guzman, the uh, Virginia delegate, who planned to introduce legislation making a crime for parents to not treat their children as the opposite sex, if that's how their children identifies. In other words, not to play along with their children. Well, as you might guess, the reaction to such a proposal was swift and severe, thankfully. Now, Guzman claims her words were misrepresented. Of course, that's what they say when they get caught. Well, Democratic leaders in Virginia, (laughs) I mean, they have been running for her as if she had the black plague. Well, they're, I mean, they're running around trying to put out the fires here. Here's the bottom line. Your voices were heard on this. But how did we get to such a place where a bill that essentially states, parents, obey your children? I mean, how is it that we got here? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Bob Good. He serves on the House Committee on Education and Labor and the House Budget Committee. He represents Virginia's 5th Congressional District. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Good afternoon, Tony. Great to be with you, my friend. All right. So it sounds like for now, this bill is dead because people were watching. Um, But this is going to come back. This is not the first time she introduced this bill. How in the world did we get here? Tony, we have gotten to a place where we couldn't have imagined just a few years ago. As you know, this this Democrat majority, this this Democrat party 
uh, wants children to be groomed in our schools, wants our schools to be talking with children about what their sex is, what their gender is, and to allow a child essentially to diagnose himself or herself with gender dysphoria. And then they want all the school personnel to support the child in that gender confusion instead of reinforcing the fact that they're wonderfully made, that God created them perfectly. God creates us male and female. We follow the science that's consistent with scripture. There's only two sexes, only two genders. Instead of supporting that, what they want to do is contribute to that confusion, that dysphoria, and only allow school personnel to speak uh, to that degree. And I can tell you that being on the Ed Labor Committee, that the, the federal government, the Biden administration, has even tied federal dollars to supporting this kind of policy right. in the schools. This is who they are, Tony. But this is a Democrat party, as you know, who just nominated a justice to the Supreme Court who was confirmed 100% by the Democrats, who could not or would not even die or, or say what a woman was, could not define what a woman was, said that she doesn't know because she's not a biologist. This is where we've come. Well, I think it's very important, Congressman, that you just pointed out that this is coming from the highest levels of government. The president himself has made this a top priority. So it shouldn't surprise us that we see legislation popping up like this. Now, I was in uh, North Carolina this weekend uh, uh, preaching, and um, I mentioned this uh, as, as an example of the, of the cultural and political chaos that has enveloped our nation what have you heard from your constituents? I mean, you're right there in Virginia. What have you heard? Thankfully, this is a losing issue for Democrats. And I think that's why you're, we're hearing that they're going to pull back from what this uh, delegate Guzman had proposed. But think about it, Tony. This reveals who they are. What she said essentially was that parents should lose their children if they do not support their gender confusion, if they don't affirm them wanting to change their genders, parents should lose their children and be criminally charged for that. So while she may pull back till after the election because the Democrats realize it's a loser and they don't want to hurt their congressional candidates in the November 8 elections, it demonstrates what they would do if they could, uh, if they retain power in Virginia in the state Senate, if they take back the House of Delegates next year in Virginia, it shows who they are. Uh, this Democrat Party, there's a reason why uh, I'm a co-sponsor of my friend Marjorie Taylor Greene's bill that would make it criminal to perform surgery on children to cut off body parts, to maim them, to irreparably right. harm them in the effort to change their sex. And Democrats are going furious about that bill. If they didn't believe in doing that, they would be co-sponsors to our bill instead of attacking us for that. Yeah, absolutely right. And and we've supported the state version. In fact, we've had uh, that passed in the state of Arkansas, which, by the way, is in court uh, today. Uh, this is you're right on so many fronts, uh, Bob. This goes away for today, but it's back tomorrow after the election. But it was very revealing what Guzman said in an interview last week before the firestorm. She said, this is educating parents because the law tells you the do's and don'ts. I think she's got it backwards. I think parents need to be educating those who make the laws as to the boundaries that they have in terms of getting into the business of parents and raising our children. Yes, Tony, after 50 years of retreat and uh, school boards and the education of our children, we're on offense now and, and parents are motivated. They're engaged. They're taking back their schools, not just parents, but community members, 
grandparents, those are concerned citizens who just care about the future of our country, let alone the present for our children. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for our governor uh, here in Virginia, who's brought some common sense reforms to what was the previous governor's disastrous policies that totally took parents out of the equation. But, you know, we shouldn't even allow parents uh, to tell a school to support gender confusion, quite frankly. No, it shouldn't happen if without a parent's permission. That's a very baseline. That's the most foundational thing that you wouldn't participate in, in changing a child's gender and re referring them for you know, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones as the precursor for that horrible surgery that they want right. to do to children. The uh, only but, thing that stops it are those who stand up and speak out against the nonsense. And uh, Congressman Bob Good, I'm grateful that you do that from your vantage point on Capitol Hill and for advancing common sense legislation. And thanks for joining us today as well. Tony, great to be with you. And folks, I would encourage you, parents across the country are speaking out. Do not be silent. And don't think it's not happening in a school near you where this uh, indoctrination is taking place. All right, got to go to a break on the other side of the story. The other side of the break, rather, we're going to talk about Pfizer and their vaccine. That's next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. And by the way, again, uh, text the word GUIDE to 67742. That's the word GUIDE to 67742. And you'll get a link so that you can get a personalized voter guide uh, made out just for you. And uh, in many places, it covers school board elections all the way up the chain. All right. So that's GUIDE to 67742. Recently, a top Pfizer executive admitted 
that the pharmaceutical giant did not test its COVID shot to determine if it prevented transmission of the virus before it was released. Now, this confession came from uh, Janie Small, the Pfizer president of International Development Markets, uh, Developed Markets, in testimony before the European Union Parliament Special Committee on the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, this would have been nice to know before first responders, nurses, teachers, soldiers, and so many others were forced out of jobs for declining the jab. Now, I mean, remember in September of last year when the president was talking about how this was the pandemic of the unvaccinated and shaming all of those people who had not gotten the vaccine because we were told we were to protect other people by getting the shot. So what does this tell us? And does this shake the confidence of the American people in health officials who, frankly, were not honest with us. Joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Andrew Bostom. He's an academic clinical trialist and epidemiologist who is currently a research physician at Brown University Center for Primary Care and Prevention. Uh, Doc, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back, Tony. So explain to us what the testimony from uh, Ms. Small, the Pfizer president at International Developed Markets, really means? Well, it, it confirms, frankly, what a, a lot of us have been talking about since the randomized controlled trials of both Pfizer and Moderna um, were, were published, which is that they didn't do contact tracing. So you can't possibly, you know, gauge what the effectiveness is in transmission without doing contact tracing. And, and so she's just confirming what was, you know, patently obvious, uh, you know, from, from, the, from the trials themselves. What's, what's critical about it, Tony, is, is that, so for example, you, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Biden's statement from last September, because, because last July, August, uh, there was a, uh, an outbreak near me uh, in, in Provincetown in, on Cape Cod. Uh, they have apparently this, this uh, gay back and out that they have every year. And you can that that there was a massive outbreak, and it was it was you know in a population that was over seventy percent vaccinated. Uh, so there was a there was a clinical proof that there, that there was that was not preventing transmission uh, at least a month or so before Biden made made his comments. Uh, the, the the results were published by the CDC and their house organ called Morbidity Mortality Weekly Reports, um, and and this and this gets at the very heart. Of mandates. Mandates are for a vaccine that is sterilizing and prevents transmission. If if it's, if if that's not true, if it's not nearly sterilizing, um, then there's no justification uh, scientifically and and ethically for, for for mandating it. And and um, you know I, I think Tony, we're we're now getting additional evidence which shows just how far off the mark from traditional epidemiology the whole response to COVID has been. I'd just like to point out two things real quickly. There, there was a, a, a brilliant analysis just done of 38 countries, so an international study, looking, calculating for those under 70 years old what the actual infection fatality ratio was for, for COVID during the earliest periods, the earliest strains, pre-vaccination. So what they do is they, they simply take the, the number of, of fatal infections divided by the total number of background infections, which includes people who are completely asymptomatic, but developed antibodies. For those under 70, again, representing 38 countries, developed countries, developing countries um, alike, pooled together, 
for those under 70, Tony, the, 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 the infection fatality ratio was 0.07% or 7 per 10,000, which is very, very flu-like. And it tells you that if there was going to be a very aggressive vaccine rollout, it should not it should only have targeted the high-risk population, so arbitrarily, let's say, above 70 or above 75. Uh, the idea of, of mass vaccination for a disease that really af- affected a small niche of the population is, is just preposterous. And the other, the other complement to this study is analysis of Pfizer and Moderna's randomized control trials, a, a brilliant investigative team, another great team, um, uh, all, ac- all heavy-duty academics. Uh, led by by Joseph Freeman. And what they found was that when they got access to at least the summary data from the trials, they could look at the rate of serious adverse events and compare that to the rate of COVID hospitalization. And because these were general populations, Tony, they were not targeted studies in these randomized controlled trials, the ones that got the vaccine approved, the vaccines approved, um, they found that they were, um, that the rate of serious adverse events was uh, a greater than the, the number of hospitalizations prevented, and 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 so you know these I think these are these are the kinds of smoking gun evidence that that the policy went way awry, and what that Pfizer spokesperson just you know confirms um, the disingenuousness of it, but also you know coupled with these with these recent findings. The, the whole policy needs a thorough investigation. Uh, Dr. Boston, we're up against a break. I know you've stepped out of an event to, to speak with us by phone. It, can you stick around? I've got two more questions I want to ask you if you can stay with us uh, uh, through the break. Absolutely. The event is visiting my 95-year-old mom, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. All right. As long as you're vaccinated. All right. Uh, okay. Stick with us, folks. We're going to come back and uh, continue our conversation with Dr. Boston. And then... Uh, we're going to be joined by General Jerry Boykin is going to join us to talk all things military. So don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. 
Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, your host of Washington Watch. Good to have you with us again. It is election time. In fact, uh, early voting has started in many parts of the country. So I want to encourage you, make sure you're registered and make sure you're voting. Hey, we have a resource for you. It is a voter guide. It is a personalized voter guide. All you have to do is put in your zip code, and you will get everything that's on your ballot in most places. Not not everywhere, but in most places, we go down to the school board races. So, and and these candidates are evaluated based upon the values we share. So, if you would like that resource, text the word guide guide as in voter guide. Text the word guide to six seven seven four two. You'll get a link. You'll uh, be asked at some point to put in your zip code, and then you will get your voter guide. So, again, that's the word guide to 67742. All right, uh, continuing our conversation with Dr. Andrew Bostom, an academic clinical trialist and epidemiologist who is currently a research physician at Brown University. Dr. Bostom, thanks for sticking around. Sure. And tell your mother hello, please. (laughs) I will. Okay, so... You were going back to those over the age of 70, under the age of 70, uh, the, 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 uh, can, the, the effect of this was similar to flu, as you said. I just want to point out, I think for context, that that population under 70, that's, a, that's about 94% of the world's population, is it not? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, we, we, were, right. we were driving all of this based upon what we think might be helpful to 6% of the population? Yeah, and, and, and if you remember, Tony, um, uh, some excellent, excellent traditional epidemiologists, that's all they were, um, Martin Caldor from Harvard, Jay Bhattacharya, who's also an economist from Stanford, um, put together the Great Barrington Declaration, right. which simply said we really need to apply the tried and true from epidemiology, which is that you focus on the high-risk population. And, and you know, 
as, as, as distrustful as we should be from the Chinese data, there were some reasonable investigations from China, which, which revealed from the very beginning that this was an age-stratified disease, an age-specific disease, that, that, that the burden of it was, was primarily on the elderly, and that was quickly confirmed in Italy. And, you know, the, 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 evidence, the evidence was clear uh, uh, that, that we did not need to, to have this, this mass hysteria we needed to focus on the high risk right. population. And, and because now that we know that the vaccine doesn't prevent transmission, the, you right. know, that 94 percent, we weren't keeping grandma from getting the vac- from getting the virus because we were vaccinated. We should have focused on that 6 percent. And we could have even gone deeper in the precautions and the care that we gave to that 6 percent. Yes. And, 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 and the other thing is that you know, unfortunately, Tony, because because of the way the randomized trials were constructed and they didn't have enough power to, to look at clinical outcomes, um, honestly, um, you know, we can surmise from some indirect evidence that 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 the highest risk populations probably benefited uh, if, the, you know, from from the vaccination, particularly if it was timed so that they were at peak immunity from the vaccination when the waves came through to their geographic region. Right, right. We can't really say that definitively because of the way the trials were conducted. Right. Uh, I mean, the last trial that the United States did, which confirmed a vaccine, you know, was, was truly effective, was 1.8 million children in the 1954 polio vaccination. The trials we're talking about here and trying to tease apart involve 30 to 40,000 adults of, of, of sort of general backgrounds. You know, so um, this and, and this was the last opportunity we had to really, you know, since considering all the all the trillions that were thrown right. at COVID, it would have been ideal to reproduce what we did back in the 1950s when we really had to address the polio situation. Yeah, good point, uh, Doctor Boston. Final question for you: the, the public, at least a large portion, I think, will be very skeptical when we approach another health crisis like this. Not. I don't think they're going to be inclined to trust the government based upon what we've seen through COVID. So let me ask you this question. You're in the field uh, of medicine. Is there or will there be any self-evaluation and will we see changes? I, you know, I think it's going to have to be handled uh, state by state and certainly what's, you know, anticipating a change of administration's uh, congressionally, maybe presidential presidential changes in 2024. Um, this this demands uh, the response by the CDC, the 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 the, um, the uh, approval process by the FDA. It, it absolutely needs a rigorous investigation. But but I would also say that that the, the state health departments and the universities, Tony. We just had a paper published by Connecticut College. Now it's a small college, but they did the honest thing finally, and they showed. That during this this Delta outbreak that they had in in um, in uh, August September when the kids were first coming back, August September uh, of of, uh, of of 2020, uh, their their uh, the, the the infections were were rampant, but there were there were no hospitalizations and no deaths. Right. Um, and this you know and and it's just it's just we we really have to have a, a complete. Honest evaluation. There's reams of data out there uh, that, that that can be you know investigated. And 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 again, the, the idea that that kids were never really at, at, at high risk, and and yet there were 
uh, most of the most of the major universities across the country mandated vaccination. Right. Yeah. Um, it, this was this was this was inappropriate. And it has. I, I tell you what. The unfortunately, the healthcare community not not so much the providers, but those that are calling the shots have lost a lot of credibility with the American people. They certainly have lost it with me. But not you, Dr. Bostom. I want to thank you once again for joining us and shooting straight with us here on uh, Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right. Folks, I think we need to ask a lot of questions and not take any of this at face value. Well, speaking of uh, governments and crackdowns and overreach when it comes to COVID, the Chinese Communist Party's 20th National Congress is underway in Beijing. And Chinese President Xi Jinping is widely expected to leave the Congress with a third five-year term as the president's general secretary and chairman of its Central Military Commission. Now, he was uh, there this week speaking, and he was talking about a number of things. Uh, We're going to talk about one of those in a moment, Taiwan, but he was talking about COVID. Here's what he had to say. We have protected the people's health and safety to the greatest extent possible and made tremendous encouraging achievements in both epidemic response and economic and social development. Let me let me actually do the translation there. We have locked our people up and we have taken away their freedoms and they like it. Joining me now to talk about this and more, a little sarcasm there, General, is uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council, founding member of the Army's Elite Delta Force, former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon. General, welcome back. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. So you see any similarities between China's approach to uh, to COVID and, uh, and we have people here that we're calling shots that aren't apologizing, even though we have facts now to say that that was the wrong-headed approach. Makes you wonder if uh, Fauci went to medical school in uh, China. May have, may have. I, I, I want to move on to, uh, I'm, I'm picking with, and having fun with this, it's a serious issue, but I do hope that the American people are not going to be so quick to fall in line next time. Uh, with uh, these government bureaucrats that are telling us what to do with no evidence to suggest they know what they're talking about. Well, I think you have been fairly consistent all the way through this thing in saying that this is about control, not about a pandemic. It's about control. I want to talk about something else that uh, Xi Jinping was discussing this weekend, and that has to do with Taiwan. Play clip number 14, please. We have resolutely fought against separatism and counter-interference, demonstrating our resolve and ability to safeguard China's sovereignty and territorial integrity and to oppose Taiwan independence. Now, according to reports, that got the biggest applause uh, there in the Congress, which had about, I think, 2,300, 2,500 communists there listening to his speech, and I'm sure they were told when to applause, oh, applaud. So pretty strong language as it pertains to Taiwan. Shouldn't be any surprise, though. I, I, I think this has been coming. Uh, first of all, you need to, we, uh, the whole world needs to not underestimate this guy, because this is probably the most powerful man on the planet right now. Uh, Why do you say that? Why do you say that? 
Well, because he's about to take his third term, his third five-year term. Secondly, uh, this man has control of every element of government, every element. Even uh, Mao Zedong didn't have everything. This guy has everything. He's got the economy. <laughs> he's got the military. He's got uh, the public policy. So he is the most powerful man. How significant is their military? Well, he said, he actually said, uh, you didn't play it here, but he's actually said that they were going to build the world's uh, largest, finest military. Now, their Navy is already bigger than ours. Uh, it is very clear, based on war games that we've done in the Pacific, that uh, it is doubtful as to whether we could defeat them in a war in the Pacific. Now, let me ask you a question about that, because I think everybody's bought something made in China. Uh, I try not to anymore, but it's cheap. Yeah. All right. It's it's a lot of it, and I think some of the qualities improve. But I mean, if you buy something from China, you got a fifty-fifty chance it's going to break. Are the quality of their military equipment better than uh, the products they sell abroad. Well, I've been out for fifteen years, so I can't give you a, a, a definitive answer to that. But I can tell you that what we saw of them while I was still on active duty. Uh, it was an inferior product. It was no. It was really no different than the kinds of consumer goods that we bought from China. That were, it was only a matter of time until they were going to break or they weren't weren't going to be very well designed. But where they get a lot of stuff though is reverse engineering, right. and a lot of our technology has been reverse engineered, and that actually gives them a leg up. They don't have all these students in our universities for no reason. Yeah, I, w I want to explain that a little bit. Reverse engineering, that means they're stealing our stuff, taking yeah. it home, and figuring out how it was put together in, in, in reverse engineering. That's right. I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, a P-3 Orion went down and was forced down in China, and they hung on to it for quite some time. Well, what were they doing? Well, that was a... a, a a collection platform. That was a platform that could collect not only signals intelligence, but also photographic imagery. And uh, they were spending their time getting uh, a, an understanding of everything on that airplane so that they could reverse engineer it and put together their own platforms with the same technology. Okay, back to he's the most powerful man. He's got a military, he's got the economy. Does he have the will? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. He is, I mean, look, he would lose face in, in front of all of these people. He would lose face if he did not go after Taiwan. He's made no bones about it from the very beginning of his presidency, if you will. So are you saying we should learn from history and actually believe what he's saying? Uh, I think we better believe what he's saying. Uh, China has made no... Uh, really no uh, effort to go after Taiwan up to this point. But now the rhetoric has increased. So you're saying so, he's, he's, he's painted himself into a corner pretty much with his that's rhetoric. That's what I'm saying, yes. That he, he's going to have to do something. That's right. Okay. So juxtapose that. He's the, as you said, most powerful man on the planet, has military, has the economy, has the will has made statements that would suggest that this is where he's going and, right. and he's kind of forced himself to do something, or as you said, he loses face. Well, let me, let me talk about our military. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to play a clip 
from the Army Secretary, Christine Wormoth, who was uh, play clip number 10. We get criticized, frankly, sometimes for being woke. I'm not sure what woke means. I think woke means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but first of all, I would say if, if woke means, you know, we are not focused on war fighting, we are not focused on readiness, that doesn't reflect what I see. General? I, I don't believe a word of what she just said, honestly. If she doesn't know what woke means, then she ought to, because her military is spending an awful lot of its time on things that are fall into the category of a woke agenda. All right, we just got a minute left. But she says, uh, our preparing for warfare, our readiness efforts are not being deterred at all by if you think this is woke. How do you respond to that? All you have to do is ask for a so ask a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, ask a national guardsman. They will tell you what they're spending their time doing, and they're spending an inordinate amount of time on this woke agenda, and it is taking away from time that they ought to be preparing for war. I mean, we've seen this with the Navy putting out a video on pronoun usage. We're talking yep. about diversity, you know, equality, all, all things that have their place. Mm -hmm. But focusing on using the right pronoun for someone who doesn't know what gender they are, that is what our military is spending time and money on? And, and, and look, that's one of the reasons that China has no respect for us, right. that, the, that the Russians Nor have no respect for us, is because of this kind of nonsense. Well, and I would add respect, including no fear. No fear. No fear at all. Because, you know, we might be prepared when we confront them on the battlefield to use the right pronoun. Yeah, and they see the numbers. They see that we're not able to meet our requirements in terms of recruiting and retention. General, we got to leave it there. We're out of time. Yep. Thanks for joining us, folks. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.